Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. back guys to another week of gdiy this is nick joined with the bird dog and ut volunteer austin what's going on that's it what's happening that's all you got that we, dude, dude we are two months away two months away and we're hunting man you know i'm fired up we're one week closer we, we were talking about this earlier today we're we are two months away from being in wisconsin Doing some grouse hunting. Hopefully, we have some woodcock that are in flight up there. Got some ducks. Get some ducks up there. I mean, we're we are two months from the start of this thing. We got September first coming around. You know, dove opener here. Dove opener, or early duck season. And if we early, want to do that. early duck, and we got the duck blind draw that's coming up next weekend out here for yeah. our. That's always a blast, going to sit there all day to not get drawn. I love it. You go out there and you, you get a chance to draw some blinds and or a blind and, uh, you know, really figure out what the what the hunting season's going to look like. It always helps out to have something close to home, you know, to be yeah. able to go by or go to. So uh, we got a lot of stuff that's coming quick. It's you just know. around the corner. And we're trying to wrap up some some training and, and get these dogs uh really freshened up and and i'm trying to get through some stuff with with my pup so that we can have multiple reliable dogs that are out there this fall man it's it's amazing that where we're at now what we're excited for in the fall if you back up you know four or five years ago down here in the southeast you know it's football it's football season and we went from you know being the normal you know, just looking forward to college football games to now all we think about is hunting in these dogs. Yeah, I I mean, it was always a conflict for me with deer season. And there was always, you know, situations where I was up in the stand and I was, 
uh, you know, checking ESPN all the time, and most of the time I wouldn't have service. And I have memories for a long time, you know, every year camping out at LBL or camping down at our property uh, in Tennessee and just listening on the radio to games. And that's that's more so – I have a great time doing that, and that's more so what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Like with our grouse camps we're going to do this, this fall – um, that are out in East Tennessee that we're going to be doing. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to just being able to hang out at the campground wherever we we throw up shop and you know turn the radio on and and listen to some games. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for you because you know you only have half a game to listen to and then you're done. <laughs> Dude, I wish I could deny that. <laughs> Here's the bad part: is that goodness it. So I went to Tennessee for these listeners that don't know during the Derek Dooley years, right? So I've been getting beat down ever since, and that was grad school. I've been getting beat down ever since I attended the University of Tennessee, right? So uh, look, the bad part is, is most of the time I don't even have to watch the game to know the outcome. So I don't feel too bad. I don't, <laughs> you don't feel even have too to get bad. to game day to know the outcome. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel too bad about missing the games. Last year was the first time I haven't gone to a home Tennessee game in a long time. So, so real quick to tie this in. Obviously, this is a hunting dog episode or podcast. Let's say if UT did not drop off and the program just take a nosedive, do you see yourself being as full-hearted into this hunting as you are right now? Yeah, I mean, hunting's the number one priority in the fall. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, look, I'd put that in an affidavit, okay? that's <laughs> I promise you that. All right. So. Well, you know – yeah, what you're talking about, we we have the duck blind draw coming up. I think you're more excited about the blind than me. Uh, the blind is a little closer to you than it is me, but at the same time, you know, the odds of getting drawn, especially getting a good good blind getting drawn, it, it's it's pretty small. I'm looking forward to, you know, Lucy is the perfect size for a kayak dog. I'm looking forward to getting her in the kayak or canoe and chasing these ducks on the more open public land waters than uh, the designated blind areas and, you know, just trying to get used to the lake that's just a mile down the road as opposed to waking up and, you know, driving 45 minutes to an hour to to Old Hickory. And uh, I, I think that if I can find some ducks out there, I'll be a lot more motivated when it comes to duck hunting because, as you know, the, the duck hunting is kind of secondary to me. If I'd rather go to grouse camp or chase some quail and the unicorns than I would primarily chasing ducks. But the ducks are great for, you know, say it's deer rifle opener. I'm not going in the woods with my dogs during deer rifle opener. You know, let's just go hit the lake real quick, see if we can shoot some ducks. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's – I get it. I get it. I, I'm probably going to spend a little less time waterfowling this year. Um, I've, I've came to that realization. Uh, last year, while I was waterfowling, I actually came across an area that was holding woodcock. I guess they, they decided to stop there and, and hang out. And so, uh, got a few weeks in where they were they were there got a few weeks in um where each weekend got to go do a hunt out there so i'm going to focus some on some woodcock hunting and um well that's really exciting this year because tennessee finally split the season up yeah 
you know, here in Tennessee, the really the best chances at a wild upland bird that you're going to have is during those woodcock flights. But they've always had the long season that ended essentially the same time as deer season. So when we're wanting to really hit the woods hard, the season's over. And then, you know, there were a number of hunts last year that we were finding woodcock and the dogs would find them, point them, and then you'd just flush them and they'd look at you like, what the heck, I found them, shoot them. Yeah, but uh, I'm yeah, late ex- season I'm, grouse, man. That's I, what would happen yeah, I'm, during that. I'm hunting. super excited this year that you know some of those woodcock that we just had to pass up last year, we can actually take them this year. And I got to figure out. Do you know what the dates are on? I haven't. I need to look at the dates on that and see the official. Dates. Well, it starts at the same time, but they they pretty much have a month gap in the middle. So pretty much through the end of January, we can hunt now instead of it stopping at the the beginning of January. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely I think going to help out. Yeah, so. and so yeah, I mean, besides that, I'm I'm looking forward to the grouse camps, man. I yeah. I really enjoy that. You know, even though it's you know it's unicorn camp instead of grouse camp, you know, it's it's we started doing that last year. It's a four or five hour drive to depending on where you're wanting to go in the mountains in East Tennessee, and it's not really a fun thing to do in one day. Sh- shot so we, we started getting up there late friday night and camping friday and saturday night and you know we'd we'd hunt as much as we could and then just kind of relax and chill around the campfire and try and stay warm and you know it'd be a good time to turn on the radio and listen to some of those football games that, you know yeah you know, at least my team should have have a few full games that we want to listen to nick's an lsu fan go tigers uh i I can't really say too much other than what's not to love. We have a coach that you can't understand a word he's saying. It's it's perfect. I agree. Football, football, but corn dogs. <laughs> hey, who doesn't love a good corn dog? I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. But man. anyway, back back to topic. Uh, so last week we kind of covered if you were interested in a bird dog kind of kind of the process and and the outlook that you should take on doing your research and figuring out what dog you wanted uh Austin, you want to tell everybody what we're planning on talking about tonight yeah we're talking about now that you've got a dog what to do um as far as when the dog gets home you know when you're prepping to bring the dog home when the dog does get home what do you do so um there's this seems like a basic, and it is a basic thing to talk about, but there's a lot of nuances about it uh, that we we want to get into and um, inform you guys about. Exactly. I mean, yeah, last week's episode and, and, and this week's and probably next week, it may seem pretty basic to a lot of people, but, but you would be surprised at <clears throat> how many people getting into this have the same exact questions they make, you know, a lot of the same mistakes. We've made some of the same mistakes. And, you know, I, I, I run correspondence for our local NAVDA chapter. And, you know, it, it's at least once a week I'm on the phone, you know, talking about a lot of this stuff with people. And so starting out on a hunting dog podcast, we figured it would just be good. Let's just start from square one. We promise you guys, you know, here soon we will dive deeper into, you know, specific training topics and guests we have a few guests lined up that, you know, are going to be good topics. And uh, But, you know, we'll get into the force fetch. We'll get into the steadiness. We'll get into the ranges and how-tos and all that. But 
but first we thought that you know it'd be good to cover this and then that way you know when when we get questions from people we'd be like hey just go back and listen to the first you know episode one or two or, or whatever and that should answer your questions and then uh you know then we can really dive deep into the into the nuts and bolts of how to train these dogs and you know not that we know everything but you know it, i think that's what you know diy guys are really interested in for sure so first things first you got to prep before you get the dog home uh we got to know who our vet's going to be we got to know uh what the what the home situation is going to be if we got other dogs we have to recognize that uh, scenario and environment and we just have to make sure that we bring the 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 puppy home into a uh a spot that it can get the proper socialization and, and have those good experiences you know so um nick why don't you hit on i guess the first thing that we need to do is, is puppy proof the house and um, get everything lined up and orderly yeah i mean you're not bringing a newborn child into the house but you know there are a couple things that, that you just want to look at real quick you know if you have some unhealthy things for the dog to chew on because it's a dog it's a puppy it's going to be teething it's going to be exploring and you know with the one way that they explore is with their nose and their mouth. They're going to be figuring out, oh, I can chew on that. Oh, I can't chew on that. So you really just want to kind of walk through the house and see, okay, what's in reach of this puppy? Uh, you know, if you have trash cans out, you don't want the dog getting into the trash. If you, you know, if you have food easily in reach, you know, you want to put that up higher in a cupboard or, or whatever. Just get it, get it away from them so they're not chewing you and driving you insane yeah a tip with that is is um again this may sound ridiculous but guys if you get a trash can that's got a lid on it it's a game changer for you i promise you i i went through this with my first dog i went through and ended up buying a trash can that had a lid on it for every trash can that we had in the bathroom any other room in the house including the kitchen and really it prevents bad habits from starting and I mean, it's just on that food. I mean, it, it's basic, but there are a lot of foods that are toxic to dogs that aren't to us. You know, if if you know some people have candy bowls or something out, you know, chocolate it's toxic to dogs. Just stuff like that. Just you know, go around the house, look if if it's in easy reach, just put it away. And and that kind of if it's questionable, put it away. It's yeah. that simple. They, you know, we don't want we don't want to spend too much time on this because it it should be pretty simple. But uh, th that is one thing that you kind of want to do. And then uh, I guess the next thing after puppy proofing the house is the food. Yeah, have talk the about have what kind of yeah bad food you don't want them to eat. Now let's talk about what kind of food we do want them to eat. You, you know, all these companies, everybody's going to say that they're number one in nutrition. In nutrition, and then you know, it's. Me, I, I go with name recognition, you know, that's been proven for years and years and years. You know, I, I feed Purina Pro Plan. It's very, you know, you know what it, they stand behind. They've been around for, I think, like 100 years or something. I know Yukonuba has, you know, a similar sport line to it. Uh, Purina has a puppy uh, food diet for them. But, you know, even their regular, it's for all life cycles, and we know – 
a ton of people that don't even mess with puppy food anymore. They just do the whole life cycles from pro plan. Yeah, that's what I've done. But the last thing you want to be doing when you get home with your dog is then trying to figure out what, what food you want to go on. And, and honestly, a good thing to do is the breeder that you're getting it from, ask what food they have it on. And, you know, if it's something that you want to transition to and keep it, that's easier. But if you're going to be transitioning, then obviously you want to take some take some food home from the breeder that, you know, if they'll give you some or go buy some of the same one on a smaller deal and just start mixing it in with what you're wanting to change over to. And then that way you don't have, you know, stomach issues while you're sitting here trying to housebreak a new dog and, and getting it used to to the living environment. Yeah. That's right, and I think that a lot of these breeders, at least the ones that I've got my dogs from, they both fed the Pro Plan, so it was yeah. it was not the majority of them feed Purina Pro Plan. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's a good food. I love it um, for my dogs. It's it's done great. Yeah. Well, the next one is vet. You want a good vet that you trust close to you, and it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to find but it can be depending on where you're at it's it's hard to find a good vet that you trust their advice and you don't feel like that you're getting taken advantage of on price and you know we we have hunting breeds you know I've had one vet that you know judged me on hunting my dogs saying you shouldn't make a dog do that and I'm like if you're a vet and you don't understand that this dog was bred and it's in their DNA to hunt I need to go somewhere else yeah a lot of times the the best thing to do is try to find a a vet that has hunting dogs Um, that can be tough but if you can find one that you can relate to and and that vet understands uh, what you know your hobbies are because because that vet does it too. It makes things a lot easier because you can call them up or whenever you have to go in, it's easily understandable the situation that that you've gotten in. And um, you know that's of course that's invaluable. So if you can establish that when the dog's a puppy, um, that's the best thing. You know that's the best thing. And um, luckily. We found we found a vet uh, that's that's close by that we trust now. I, I went through, I think three or four vets before we found one that really, you know, I felt comfortable with. Yeah, I, I went through three or four myself, and it it's this process of elimination. Don't don't get stuck on a vet just because it's the closest one near you, or you know, the you know cat lady at work says, "Oh, I yeah. love my vet." And I can tell you this: some of these vets, I. The first vet that I went to when I had Scout, when I was going through puppy shots, I cannot believe how much I just paid for puppy shots. Because you didn't know any better. Yeah, I just went to him, and, and you know, once I started calling around, I just couldn't believe it. So that's something, call around, guys. You can definitely get puppy shots for pretty cheap. And uh, and on puppy shots, I mean, if you have a tractor supply near you. Yeah, you can do it Every yourself. Saturday morning, uh, at least on the tractor supplies close by here they have a vet you you can go in there and pay a tenth of what you would pay going to a vet visit for puppy shots because they're all the same stuff yeah i mean it really is so yeah you know just you know figure out what vet you want to go to you know and find one that's on board with your and what you're doing and what you have going on and one thing before we move on from this subject when you buy a puppy from a breeder usually 
there is a time period for you to take your dog to a vet to have it checked up on. Checked up on. Basically, for that vet to say, yes, there's no health issues with this puppy. So you're going to want to line up this vet before you end up picking up yeah. this puppy. A, a lot of reputable breeders, most of them uh, nowadays, they have that health guarantee. But if you look at it, I mean, some, a lot of these dogs come with contracts and a lot of stipulations. That health guarantee covers you for, you know, really just a couple of weeks sometimes. And they require a vet check, you know, within a certain amount of time to to be in line with their health guarantee. That way, if you get home and something's wrong with it, you know, some kind of heart issue or lung issue or something, and you want to get your money back and, and you know, get another pup or something, you know, you, you need to discuss that with your breeder so you know that going in and you're not, you don't a month down the road have a sick dog and you're like, you guaranteed me a healthy dog. And they say, well, you didn't go check it out at, at the vet. So something to keep in mind on that. We could have thrown that in last week, didn't even think about it, but so you lined up the vet. The next thing is, this sounds really, really simple and basic, but you'd be surprised how many people overlook it, is sleeping arrangements. You're you're bringing a pup home in a brand-new environment, brand-new people. It's away from, from mama for the first time. It's going to be loud. It's going to be anxious. It's, you know, it's not going to like its life for the first few days. I mean, it's just not. It's going to whine. It's going to cry. You need to set up the sleeping arrangements that you want at first. From the first night on, you're just going to have to suck it up. You know, especially the first few nights where it doesn't know where it's at, I would at least, even if you're going to be that person that allows them up in the bed with you or on a specific couch or dog bed or whatever, I would suggest putting it in a crate because it is a puppy. It's a very young puppy, and it's stressed out. You don't know what it's going to get into and it's also going to make your life a heck of a lot easier when it comes to housebreaking that dog. Yeah, so what I can say on this is is that I would recommend that you have um, crate training times or at least uh, allow the dog to stay in a crate at night for a certain period of time uh, and during the day, right? So the deal is, is you need to have a puppy crate close by or wherever you want it to be in the house and um, make the dog get used to it. You know, the deal is this whole time, this dog has only been, it's, I'm sure it's had hopefully some human socialization at this point, right? But for the most part, it's just had canine socialization. It's been around its puppies. It's been around its mom. It's been around, you know, other dogs. And so when you take it out of that environment for the first time and say, you know, hey, hopefully you got a good canine socialization. Now it's time to move into a human environment and get that human socialization. You want that dog to get uh, home, establish that routine. That's really what this is about, I think, is, is finding, you know, the sleeping arrangements on the getting the sleeping arrangements ready on the front end so you can develop that routine and get the dog ready, you know, for uh for really a structured setup from that point forward. Yeah. And you know, caveat on that, real quick tips on the crate. Don't be, you know, don't be afraid to get the kennel that fits the puppy. A lot of people feel bad for it. It's like 
oh, I want, you know, it doesn't have enough space, and they get an oversized kennel. Well, all that's doing is giving them space where they can go in the corner and mess in the corner and, you know, get a little more momentum, possibly hurt themselves. You know, you, you want it to be size appropriate for that crate. dog. It's a puppy crate. It's, it's, not, it's not a full-grown dog crate. And, you know, it can add on days and weeks of pain when it comes to trying to housebreak that dog. You know, the dog, the puppy will learn real quick, oh, if I, you know, piss right here, I'm laying in it. But if it's big enough to where it can go off in the corner and pee, it's going to figure that out. You know, they're not they're not dumb. But uh, just something to keep in mind, get get the right crate. But you also, you know, you don't want to spend – three four hundred dollars on the you know the itty bitty size gunner kennel just for it to outgrow it in a month or two gunner kennels that's not a shot at you guys we want you guys as a sponsor by the way (laughs) what a suck up (laughs) no hey look all we're trying to say is is puppy's gonna outgrow that crate get a get just go get a wire crate that you can put in the house and you know be able to uh have a spot for the dog to know that that's its place to go to sleep. Yeah, and, and it'll get accustomed to it, and they will go into it naturally on their own. They're going to get used to it. They're going to feel comfortable and secure and everything in that. And, you know, when Austin gets done selling out to Gunner Kennels, you know, he can hook you up with a uh, with a Gunner later on down the road when he gets full grown. Hit me up. <laughs> so, you know, after the crate, uh, another simple thing that, you know, a lot of people don't consider is toy selection. You know, the dog is going to come in. You're going to want to occupy its time. You you know, it's going to be teething. It's got to chew on something. But just be aware of the fact, you know, a lot of people, some people don't even acknowledge it. Other people live and swear by it. It's really up to you. Uh, when you're out picking the toys is I don't really like the squeaky toys just because I find them personally kind of annoying and obnoxious. But also there is, you know, the people that swear by the fact that what you're doing is you're training that dog to squeeze game. You know, they're getting a reward with that squeak by squeezing the toy. So I just kind of stick to the, you know, the little chew bones and regular bones and maybe a little rope here or there. But uh, I, I personally don't do the squeaky toys. I don't I don't know what you did or what your yeah. thoughts are on that, but that, that's where I'm coming from. No, that's the same thing. And look, guys, my wife, she – and I know that Pam That's does the this hardest too. thing is getting your wives in line this with is, not buying everything this for is the puppy. A, yeah, this is a huge point that we need to mention now. When Before you bring this dog home, you have a sit-down – <laughs> I shouldn't say a sit down. You talk with your wife. So you sit them down and you set them straight. No. Man, Haley is not going to be happy if she heard that. No. You you have a, a conversation with your wife, and luckily my wife is very understanding on this, and uh, you you get down kind of the ground rules about, okay, this is a – you're thinking long term here. This is – a dog that I want to hunt and retrieve game long-term, okay? So, therefore, I do not want to have those type of toys in the house because we don't feel like it promotes that behavior. I'm the same way as Nick. I don't do the squeaky toys on the front end. Um, Haley and I are on the same page about that. And, and along these lines, guys, is and we're going to talk about this, is you have to make sure that 
your whole family is on the same page with kind of the operational rules with the dog and, and making sure that y'all have the same words for commands and just establish that consistency. So along with this whole thing about, hey, we're bringing the dog home, everybody's got to be on the same page if you're wanting to have that consistent dog that understands what a command means, right? So we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But the the thing that we were talking about originally was uh, um, not treats, but toys. And I'm the same way. I don't do synthetic bones. I don't do any type of uh, rubber uh, toys or anything like that. Um, I stick with just regular bones. And... Um, that's really that's really it, and I don't even give. I should probably give more of them because it, it's stimulating. It's good for the dogs. You know, they want to have something to be able to occupy yeah, their time. It's occupying their time, but they're also it's 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 just stimulating for a pup to be able to do stuff yeah. like that. So you want to promote that behavior, but you want to make sure that you're giving them something that not only does not uh, pro uh, that does not promote bad behavior, but is something that doesn't also. Yeah, or something that isn't also unsafe, you know, too. That's something that I think about. living with it inside the house, you know, you're trying to watch a movie and all you hear is, you you just want to throw the damn toy away. (laughs) It's uh, not good for anybody. (laughs) But kind of on that real quick with the vet and the toys, uh, something that not enough people, I think, are aware and consider is, you know, a lot of people, they get a puppy, and what do they want to do? They want to go on an outing. Let's go pick out some toys for the dog. And they take the brand-new puppy to Pet Smart or something. Without any shots or anything yet. That's it. it. You know, talk with your vet. There's a certain time within the shot period that your dog is covered from, you know, a certain percentage of the, the diseases that it can catch from other dogs. Uh, you have no idea what unvaccinated dogs uh go through these pet stores. So just keep that in mind. You know, we we don't want to scare everybody to death. We're not those people that are like, you know, rubber gloves on everything. But, you know, you spent a ton of money and, you know, time researching this dog. The last thing you want to do is take it to PetSmart and it come down with Parvo because the shots aren't, you know, to a certain point yet. Yeah, another thing with that is, look, when when you went and drove 15 hours to go pick up your pup, don't stop at a rest area on the way home to let yeah. your dog go out and use the restroom. Don't stop at a truck stop. Go to a spot that is less Find populated. A church softball field or something. Yeah, you know, some, something that you would that you other, think other people are not using yeah. with their dogs yeah. as a restroom. Yeah, you know it's it, you know it happens. We're not going to say that it's going to happen to you necessarily, but you know if if that's your only option, just go away from where all the other dogs have been going but uh to to move on you know you have to when you get the dog home you're going to be developing the routine but first and foremost is hopefully you have a name picked out by now for the dog that's the most important thing you can do for a dog (laughs) that is that sets up that's that's destiny right there i mean you 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 name the dog and it fulfills its destiny yeah well i mean you know People kind of overlook this sometimes. The the name, there's a couple things. You know, some people try and get clever with their dog names and thinks it's funny and cute until they get out in the field. You know, somebody will name, you know, their dog Bird or something. And then when they're yelling Bird out in the field, everybody's looking around looking for something to shoot. Somebody saying Rooster. Yeah, ro- yeah. somebody names their dog Rooster. Don't so name when a your dog Rooster. Up, yeah. 
you know, it, it, it's kind of neat, but just kind of think big picture what your dog can mean. And, you know, if there's any confusion in the field, uh, if it's close sounding to a command that you don't want it to confuse itself with, you know, it, th- there's a few things. And there are certain names that project louder when you say them. Uh, just think of a good name. You, you know, you have to live with the dog for 14, 15 years sometimes. It's like you want something that you enjoy, but, you know, you don't want to, you know, be annoying to to your buddies every time you start yelling the dog's name in the field. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I'm real big on not trying to pick names that are close to commands. Um, I, you know, that's that's a big discussion. Every time that, that we started thinking about our puppy names, it's one of these deals where it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I don't want something that starts with uh, you know, uh, uh, S because it might be like sit or I don't want, you know, <laughs> Of course, there's extremes to everything, but just be reasonable, guys. I mean, everybody, do whatever you want, but be reasonable. Um, Short and sweet. Yeah. You don't want to be yelling this really long name. You know, just you know, one quick sound that you can project loud, and you know that that'll cover it. It's yeah. you know, just big picture. Just kind of think about down the road what it can turn into. So, I like boo. boo, boo, yeah, boo. <laughs> I think he was going with uh, uh, Peekaboo. Well, yeah, you should have named your dog Peekaboo. You had Scout. You could have had Boo, like Boo Radley from To Kill a Mockingbird. Your last name is Peek, Peekaboo. Like, I still don't understand how Haley just dropped the ball on that one. Uh, if y'all didn't hear that, our producer Joe over here was, was yelling Boo. It took me a minute to, to catch on. but Well, you went to UT. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it took me a minute, but I didn't want to name. I don't – no, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So, we went cash money. Yeah, cash. That's original. <laughs> right. Real original. <laughs> but, anyway, m- moving on. Uh, so, you have the name, and this kind of goes into what we are already talking about. You're developing a routine with this dog. As the puppy gets used to you and its new home environment – Routine is key. Consistency is key. Everything from the feeding schedule, you know, I I break mine out. I don't do one large feeding per day. I do one in the morning and one in the evening. I don't feed right before I'm going to work the dog. Uh, You know, just keep that consistent. You know, we we feed the same time every single day unless we're going on a hunting or training trip because, you know, I, I don't like feeding the dog right before I train or run them. Uh, all of this goes into housebreaking. You know, this is probably the least enjoy, enjoyable part of having a puppy is housebreaking the dog. You know, there's there's a bunch of different ways. A lot of, you know, there's some people that, you know, they the first time the dog pees in the floor, they slap the dog and say no and rub the nose in it. I'm, I'm not in that, you know, camp to where I think that's really effective. I think there's more efficient ways to... Uh, to go about doing this, I, for the first time with Lucy, I decided I was going to give that whole clicker training uh, thing a try. And so I started introducing the clicker with her. Every time she went to the bathroom outside, I started, you know, clicking with it and it started catching on. And uh, so, you know, every time she went out, I'd click it and she, you know, 
she started learning, oh, that's good. And so, you know, every time she whined and go out, she'd get a click. It sounds sounds stupid, simple, but it really did work. But yeah, don't don't get the puppy home and the first time it messes in the floor, you just beat the crap out of it and rub its nose in it because it's not gonna know what the heck you did and what it did and what you're trying to communicate and all you're doing is gonna stress out a dog that's already stressed out and you're not helping to develop that trust in you at that young of an age. Yeah, for sure. So I did something similar with cash. I didn't use the clicker. And that's something we'll get into later on. Nick's, Nick does clicker training. I don't do clicker training. I did on this time. I wanted to see what it was about. It was a little goofy at first, but I'm telling it really did did work on, on a lot of things, including house housebreaking and crate training, really. Right. So so with Cash, what I did was I was pretty much silent. When he would do that, I would just basically take him outside immediately. And this is something, guys, that you can – if you, if you, I don't want to say limit water intake or anything like that, but if you schedule it, if you schedule it and you get in a situation where you're paying attention and you, you understand the behavior of the dog, you can see when it's coming. Right. And so it's a situation where immediately once it starts, you can pick that dog up and move it outside and give it praise once it does the correct thing. Yeah. So that's, that's what I did with cash and, uh, it worked well with scout I was a little more um, harsh, you know, when it, when uh, when I was doing that with with Scout. He he was God. I mean, he was hard headed when it came to that. It was a situation where, literally, I can remember when he was probably four to five months old, and I remember vividly one time he walked over to me, and I just thought he was being a sweet dog. He came over and started like basically wanting to be all right next to my leg and everything, and hanging out and in the middle of our floor at probably close to five months old just started peeing and I'm going you know I just started yelling I'm like no wrong you know I I use wrong I I did use wrong is the correction term uh for for him um just because I thought no and woe were too close there again one of those things where I don't want uh one command to to, well that's going to go into the command selections when we get to it yeah but that's that was just saying that as an example but the thing is is that I was a little more um vocal and forceful forceful yeah with with scout on doing that ultimately i mean we still got the same outcome and and i don't think it really harmed him at all but i just decided to do a different approach this time and it seemed to work you know so uh obviously guys ton of ways to do i mean i grew up in the household to where you you slap the dog and rub its nose in it and then i i can i saw a very quick difference and you know going about it the right way and and rewarding it and not you know the dog once it pisses and it walks away i mean when it's two feet away it doesn't know what the heck it's going to get in trouble for it doesn't matter if you rub its nose in it or not it's got to be an instant yeah if you can't correct it while they're doing it they aren't going to know it it doesn't matter that you're rubbing their nose in it they're not going to associate the correction with what you're wanting they're just not uh, it may make you feel like it does, but it it doesn't. Not not with the puppy attention span. But uh, so moving on from housebreaking, the home work schedule that's that's pretty pretty self explanatory. You're gonna keep the same schedule, so it's best to get the dog in the schedule. Fi- figure out the the housebreaking and feeding schedule around that. 
but also, you know, realize that you have a new puppy at the house that, you know, it's not going to be able to hold, hold, hold having to go to the bathroom for a full day of work. You may have to start coming home at lunch, but while you're there, you know, this is when you have the dog in the crate and it's going to get used to it. And you're, you're going to have a few days where you're going to be cleaning up some crates, but this is part of it. Well, hold on. Let's stop there. One thing that you just mentioned is that this is where you have the dog in the crate. So this is something that we need to go ahead and address is that I don't recommend, I think I don't think that Nick would either, to leave your puppy running around in the house. Absolutely not. Or even in a small utility room, you know. <laughs> uh, now, why do, why do you not agree with that? I got personal experience on that, and <laughs> the deal is is you don't want to do that. But the, the, the learning experience here is no hold on you can't you can't skip over that you have to explain what that learning experience was right um so (laughs) scout uh we created him for a while and when he was a, a very young pup we created him and then he got to be i don't know probably six or probably eight months old seven to eight months old and my wife convinced me okay he's old enough not to have to stay in a crate while we're at work because he does, you know, he he's sad in a crate. Right, he's sad, man. That's a tough life. Dogs hate crates. It's a tough life. It's like a yeah. it's like a jail cell for yeah. him. So, so she convinced me, and I said, "All right, we'll try it. We'll put him in the utility room." Look, I know we're talking. We we've been talking a little bit about pups that are just coming home that age. What I'm about to tell you is. I'm a firm believer in keeping these dogs crated while you're at the office now or while you're at work for the remainder of their life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but what happened is, is we got, we let Scout get out and uh, stay in the utility room. And I came home one day and there was a hole in my wall that was about the size of a, of a basketball. And immediately after that, um, I went and bought a 10 by 10 kennel and fixed the outside of the house to where we could put him outside. Since my wife didn't want him to stay in a crate during the day, he was going to get to stay outside during the kennel or in the kennel. And then quickly from that, and I know we've gone off on a tangent here, but quickly from that, she realized, well, it's too hot to keep him out in the kennel all day (laughs) because it's the middle of summer in Tennessee. There's no drywall for him to eat out there. Yeah. So he went back into the crate and we've had, great success yeah since then so look guys uh it is a it's a situation where the best thing and the safest thing for the dog number one it allows them to realize that hey this is my kind of safe zone this is where i get to hang out this is this is my place in the crate they learn that it's it's something that now you know scout will go lay down in his crate when he gets tired um it's one of these situations where it keeps them out of trouble so that's something to consider. Um, I, I just think it's, I think it's the best option for yeah. you. Yeah. So, bottom line, keep the schedule consistent. Feeding, watering, crate, work schedule, bathroom breaks. Just keep it consistent. It's going to make your life a lot easier. The dog's going to adjust quicker and be happier, you know, and your relationship's going to be better with the dog because of it. So... Now moving on to something that, you know, you guys might be a little more interested in because everybody, you know, gets their dog to hunt. What do they want to do? They want to start training the second that dog gets home. 
you know, you they, they get home and they what what can I be doing? You know, they they want to get to it as quick as possible. Hey, we, we are all there with you. The best advice I can give you is slow down. All right, you don't want to get home. You, when you bring that puppy home, you want to give that puppy a good solid week or two to get used to the environment and the new routine, get used to you, your family, other dogs, just get used to its environment, get used to its name, get used to its new food and all that. You know, And then after a week or two, you can start introducing some baby steps. You can start introducing some quote-unquote training. It's not necessarily training, but you're just more, more or less introducing the dog. And, you know, the slower the better. You know, you're not going to be going out there and doing force fetch with the dog. But, you know, just, just basic stuff that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with teaching the basic stuff like its name and recall and coming back to you and getting rewarded. So like the best thing that you can do is, you know, find a hallway, close the doors in the hallway. You know, we sewed up a pair of socks and, you know, just something real soft on the puppy teeth that we didn't mind getting messed up. And we would throw that down the hallway and it would go get it. And it's only one way to go is back to you. And then you can start overlaying the name and, you know, even the here and, you know, it gets back to you, click, here's a piece of kibble, you know, just stuff like that, that it's going to go a long way to when you actually, when you do get into the yard work and the obedience, you're, you you kind of already have that trust built up a little bit. The puppy kind of knows, hey, good things happen when I go to, to, the, to this guy. So I'm going to yeah. keep coming back, and it just makes your life a little easier. And, and another thing is just go for walks introduce the puppy to the world you know take it outside let it chase butterflies let it get new scents you know you know just walk take take it for a walk go to a field you know if there's a little pond close by don't go throw the dog into the water because you want a duck dog if the dog wants to go in on its own great if the dog doesn't want to go in you'll get to it later yeah so what nick's talking about is really uh, that that first human socialization period and, and making sure you got those positive experiences. We should mention this too. We're assuming that you all are are getting your pups home at a reasonable age, okay? Yeah. I don't want to go without saying that if at all possible, you need to have your breeder keep your pup until it's at least seven weeks old, okay? Seven more eights at, at least, least eight well i'm saying at least it here's See, the deal austin went on two different sides of the spectrum he got his second dog <sighs> at nine weeks that was eight on eight the weeks week. yeah but the first one he took that pup scout off the tit he was six weeks old <laughs> but the thing is is there's that key canine socialization period that a lot of people say ends at seven weeks and they'll start that human socialization seven to eight weeks, whatever it is, you know. So they, they learn a lot from each other and their litter mates in that time period. When they, when they get home and you start, you know, taking that dog out, when they get there, as Nick's saying, you can work on recall and other just real minimal basic obedience type stuff. I mean, just basic commands, you know, that's not even – it's all positive. It's all rewarding. It's, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. 
So you're, you're not, don't be that person that, you know, sits there. The dog hadn't even learned its name yet. You're just constantly yelling, you, you know, you know, Scooby, 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 come here, come here, come here. And then it doesn't come here. And so when it finally does just wander over to you, you swat it on its butt because it's going to know I got in trouble for not coming here. You know, it, it's all baby steps. When you're this young, everything is positive. You want the dog to have the most fun with you that it's ever had and it associates everything positive with you and you know the time for serious training will come in a month or two where you can really start doing you know doing this but you know just be smart about it first and foremost is getting it used to its environment and then i would say house breaking and crate training and then once you have the house breaking crate training and you know it's been a couple weeks and it's used to its new routine then you can start with some yard work and some recall and, you know, start start just knocking them off the checklist. But you don't want to rush it. And yeah, You're just doing basic. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can call it training, but it's it's you're just having fun. It's a basic with association is really what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, you know, and the puppy's attention span is two seconds. I mean, it's you're not going to hold that puppy's attention span for very long. You know, if you can get a few minutes out of them awesome but you know don't go in there and be like i'm going to work this dog for half an hour because you're not going to get effective working out of it just just concentrate on letting the dog have fun let the let the puppy be a puppy let it explore let it get used to everything outside new sense it's just you know let it have fun in doing that you're going to start to understand what the demeanor is of your puppy okay you're going to figure out if you've got a bold dog that isn't afraid of anything or you're going to figure out if you've got a more timid dog that's going to need a little more uh, ease going into new yeah. environments and situations. Yeah. While the dog is learning the world, you're learning about that dog's personality. And that personality, what you learn about that dog in its early ages, is going to really translate into a lot of the things that you do with that dog into the you know yeah. as it gets older and how you need to train that dog. It goes into everything from bird intro and water intro to gun intro yeah real quick i mean while we're at it what do you think about you know the gun intro when people bring the puppy home and start banging pots and pans immediately over its head right yeah we're guys i'd say don't do that um nick and i both and i think we did this kind of similar with our recent pups Uh, i've i'm super careful about the whole gun intro situation and do you want to go into it now or as far well, that's, as that's really next week, but you know, just to sum it up guys, it's a lot easier to introduce the dogs and the puppies to gunfire right the first time you have those bold dogs. I think we touched on this even last week, but you, you can't reiterate this enough to some people because they want to rush it. I have a, I have a hunting dog. I want to get to going. It's like, guys, you're not you're you're not going to take it, you know, wild pheasant hunting at three months old. Slow down, do it the right way. Because once you get that shyness built up in that dog, you can fix it. But it is a long road, and it's and it's slow going to fix a gun shy dog. It's better to start off slow and do it right the first time. And we all have the buddies and you know and, and relatives that have gun broke a dog what they call it by banging the pots and pans or just taking them out throwing a bowl of food on the ground and shooting over their head 
And then, you know, uh, with that situation, the dogs that are fine with that, they were going to be fine with it. But the dogs that, you know, that person turns around and says, oh, I got a gun-shy dog. Well, you just made it gun-shy. You you may you may have been fine if you introduced it right, but uh, now you you have a long road to hold, and you know it, it just just goes slow. Don't yeah, rush. We'll get it. into our methods. Yeah, what we did later on. Yeah, uh, same thing with water intro. I already touched on it. Don't don't just go throw your dog in the water and then wonder why it's afraid of water because it almost drowned when it was eight, you know nine weeks old. It's you know just take your time, develop the routine, have fun. It's it's a whole new world. And just let everything be positive for the, the puppy at that age. Yeah. So just real quick, Nick. I mean, what do you think as far as the the time frame we're talking about before? So I'm, this week we're talking about you know getting the pup home, having fun, establishing the routine before you start any type of formal training. So what 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 periods are we are we talking about here? Well, it, it really changes. Per dog, every dog is different. Like you already said, some are more bold, some are more timid. So you know, you really got kind of going off the dog's personality. But if I had to put a time frame on it, you know, I'm getting the dog home first two weeks. It's just get used to your new routine, new environment, like we already talked about. So we're looking at ten weeks old now. So you're looking at ten weeks, so two and a half months old. And then once you get it used to, you know, its environment, maybe a little bit of housebreaking going on and it's crate trained, then start some recall. And, you know, that, that'll probably take a week or two at least to get a, you know, a somewhat dependable recall. And then, you know, just go down the line on, on yard work, you know, then you can start, you know, maybe some heel or sit if, you know, you want to go down that or lay down or, you know, Essentially, you're going to spend a couple months on just doing basic obedience with the puppy. And before anybody starts saying, oh, you're talking about teaching Hill before you go out and let the dog search in the field. <laughs> Look, I think Nick's just, right now, he's just talking about I'm just giving basic, examples. Yeah, yeah, examples. So pretty much you're bringing them home, getting used to the environment, and then you're moving on to some basic obedience. And it's probably around five six months that i would say you know maybe maybe put a bird or two out and just you know see see what happens see if the pointing's there and see, see personality wise what's what and then you know so i mean that's kind of the time frame yeah. i'm looking at for the first six months is just basic obedience and then then moving on to the birds and trying to get into some of that pointing and fun work the the reason why we got the dogs you know five or six months so I agree I agree with that Um, I have with my two dogs introduced them a little earlier to some birds really at about um, 12 and 13 weeks with those dogs I've I've put some birds out just not expecting anything I mean just for them to go ahead and get contact just because I was curious (laughs) to see what was going to happen so uh, you know that that's something that you can do and you know if it goes great it goes great if it doesn't absolutely do not let that bother you because you have an extremely young dog. So, you know, it's one of those deals where just look at your dog, see what his personality is. If you think he can be introduced to some birds and it be a positive experience, then, then do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much it for just, you know, bringing the dog home again, like we're saying, we know that this may not be the most interesting, you know, as far as hunting dog training goes, but it is important, especially for that first time 
uh, owner that, you know, maybe never had a dog or if they did, maybe they didn't have a, you know, didn't have the best foundation to build off of with that dog. And it is hard to temper that, that enthusiasm. I mean, we get these working dogs, we want to start working. And sometimes, you know, the handler, you have to be patient and you need to kind of control the timeline and do what's best that, you know, is going to lead to a better outcome in the, in the long run. For sure. Sure. Anything else you want to hit? No, just, uh, you know, once again, follow us on Instagram. It's gundog it yourself. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, share it with some buddies. You know, we, we have, uh, we have plans, you know, down the road of getting into the weeds with a lot of this training and, and we do have a number of guests coming up. So be looking out for that. And, uh, we will get into the nuts and bolts. We just wanted to cover the very basic uh, up front while we get into the rhythm of doing this and I, I feel like it's just going to get better and better as we move along and uh, again Instagram, Gundog It Yourself find us, follow us alright y'all we appreciate it, Yep. have a good one seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.